Blog Talk Radio. We're going to talk about something we know you're going to love. Star Trek Wines. We've been following Star Trek Wines since they launched about four or five years ago. Every year they come out with two new and authentic products. Fans of the original series, Deep Space Nine, The Next Generation, and the new Picard series will recognize several of these amazing Star Trek wines from each series. The entire Star Trek Wines collection celebrates some of Star Trek's most enduring legacies, Jean-Luc Picard, the Klingon Empire, Cardassian culture, and the United Federation of Planets. Right now, Star Trek Wines is featuring its full collection, all six bottles in an interplanetary six-pack called the Full Armada, a must-have for any Star Trek fan. Over the next six weeks, we're going to sample and explore each wine and talk to the creators about how they put these wines together. These wines are rich in detail, including individually numbered bottles, hand-wax-dipped enclosures, 3D-rendered bottles created from the original props used on the shows, and even a blue Chardonnay. Liner notes crafted by writer Una McCormick for historical accuracy are all part of the package. The elegant Chateau Picard Old World French Crew Bordeaux is produced by and imported from the real Chateau Picard in France. Over the next few weeks, we'll be sampling and reviewing the full collection, as well as looking into the newest wines just released in 2021. An Andorian Blue Special Reserve Chardonnay, which features a United Federation of Planets metal medallion, silk screen designs, and a stellar blue wine sought after throughout the galaxy. We'll also do a deep dive in the legendary Cardassian Canar, long considered one of the Holy Grail collectibles in the Star Trek universe. So join us as we go behind the scenes with the team behind Star Trek Wines. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. Welcome to the United Fermentation of Planets, where no glass has gone before. Okay, we have to every uh, time we do this. Yeah. I think we've, we've already established a couple of traditions to this nonsense, but there must be a special mystery guest. That's right. And so uh, we have several potential ones. All right. So for tonight's featured mystery guest, because if mystery if memory serves, Eric, Andorian Blue Chardonnay. Andorian Blue Chardonnay. A blue Chardonnay. Yeah. A Chardonnay. Do I look like Counselor Troy? <laughs> what is wrong with you, Commander? Well, no, we're not going to have that attitude. We're reinventing the wheel here. So we have an Andorian here. Um, extremely, uh, this is towards the end of Playmates run here when they were really getting kind of like, we don't need to articulate the knees and elbows. Mm-hmm. But he's got a blue glass of uh, beverage of choice. He does, and I think it's uh, kind of generic Andorian. Is it, uh, is it from Journey to Babel? I think he's probably, if I remember, like this guy came with the chair from, 
whom gods destroy. Oh, okay. The, the asylum. Oh, so, gosh. Sort of, okay. Le- I would call it a lesser uh, season three episode, except for Yvonne Craig, and nothing Yvonne Craig is it. It wasn't. So, so I think he's just generic android, but for our purposes tonight, he can be Salem, you know, from Journey to Babel. I have to tell you, he is almost identical in color to this wine. He really is. Look at the way that just, like... Let's capture that. We should should get that on a In case you suddenly decide you have a web page. Yeah, so we have this wonderful Andori. We're going to call him Thalen tonight. Um, He does not have articulated knees, but he's very muscular. And uh, he does have uh, kind of the old school antenna, you know, more on the back of the head, of course, uh, because he's a TOS era Andorian. But he doesn't look so bad. I mean, he's got, like, some nice-looking hands and that kind of stuff. Uh, your hands are really cool. Your hands are very nice. What a great compliment. Yeah, <laughs> just, you know, of, of all the things that could go wrong. Um, so he is here to join us tonight, and we are going to be sampling the United Federation of Planets Andorian Blue Special Reserve Wine. And... Uh, I'm very excited about this wine. This wine has a fantastic looking bottle. It is unique uh, in the Star Trek wines. It's kind of a, uh, it's a circular bottle. Starts out maybe two and a half, three inches or so uh, across at the bottom and then kind of does a real nice taper in the bottle. The bottle's nice and tall. Not quite as tall as the Canar bottle, but pretty close. I think this is probably the second tallest bottle. And one of the big feature pieces here is they put this uh, United Federation of Planets metal emblem on the front. Nice. And it is really metallic. It is. It I is mean, metal. it looks yep, it's, solid. It's like I'm tapping on it, and it's metal. And it's, the, uh, it's like the United Federation of Planets flag. So it's got the, you know, the brighter stars and then all the dimmer stars in the background and the, the olive leaves or whatever they are around the edges. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I never know what these are. Wheat or something? I don't know what they are Something either. very fancy. Uh, and so great looking wine. Uh, one of my very first questions when I first saw this wine was, okay, so it's blue. Is the bottle just blue, or is the wine itself blue? And by kind of tipping the bottle sideways, you can see the um, see the actual clear glass. And it it is. It's the wine itself that's blue. It's not uh, it's not the bottle. So, and I wonder how that was achieved. I'm well, really I'm, curious. I'm very I mean, curious. You, you can make these assumptions, but I've learned with these cats that's not always a good thing to do, right? So I'm really super curious. Like, what uh, did they do? I would bet you that it's something uh, more than just food coloring, but who knows? I am also very curious about that. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to that story. Uh, so the Chardonnay, of course, is, uh, like all of our other wines, is from California. Uh, the words on the back here say United Federation of Plants Chardonnay, founded in 2161 by an alliance of humans, Vulcans, Andorians, and Tellurites, the United Federation of Planets has long recognized the core principle of mutual cooperation. Grapes vented for this elegant Andorian blue Chardonnay were grown on vines traversing rolling hillsides near one of the oceans of planet Earth. Florals similar to those found between the Vulcan and Andorian systems burst forth with a refined acidity that balances ripe citrus aromas. This wine pays homage to the history and mission of the Federation, a dream that became a reality and spread throughout the stars. Mutual cooperation from Tellarites? I don't think, I think that's an oxymoron. Yeah, I'm kind of like, you know, 
<laughs> Mutual like obstruction. Well, actually, you know, technically they do cooperate. They just complain the whole time. Okay. And, and again, most of my Telluride experience is limited to the old school, right? Yeah. Now, but I got a whole new uh, appreciation for them uh, since we started having. Uh, uh, help me out. Um, Prodigy. Oh, pro- oh, of course we've yeah. got we've got Jenkins Pog. Yeah, on. because I haven't seen yeah. a tolerate. And did they were they on Enterprise briefly? That, yes, so they were on Enterprise um, briefly. Not as much as the Andorians, but they were represented in okay. some episodes. Okay, okay. And cool. they were uh, the interesting thing about them was they kind of were able to do. Uh, something better with the makeup such that the eyes weren't so sunk back. You know how in TOS it was, you could yeah. really tell they were wearing a mask. mask. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, in Enterprise they were able to really smooth that out. Your makeup looks really good. i got to check those out. Have I seen this uh, blue Chardonnay referred to as uh, a couple times as the Journey to Babel? collection? Did I see that? Uh, I felt like I did somewhere. Maybe. I don't remember that. But I feel like I did. Since some marketing for something. So just in case, I have uh, (laughs) because this is a very formal occasion as everything is. You guys, this is special. We have our dress uniform friends from the Journey to Babel episode. I refuse to say bowel, sorry. And uh, I'm cheating. Here, brother. Okay, is it okay to cheat over It's okay to cheat just a little bit. We've got this. This is this is a next gen Sarek. That's okay. They never made a. Are you listening to me, playmates? They never made a original series. Yeah, Yeah. they never did that Sarek. So another like they never made a Telluride. How's that power? He'd be here, dude. I'm telling you. He should be here. So this is what I got. I got like uh, a little bit of this action just to kind of you know. I'll let you do the uh, photography. Yeah. So now we have an Andorian. We, of course, have Captain James T. Kirk in his dress uniform. We have uh, Bones in his dress uniform, and we have Spock in his dress uniform. And uh, a next-generation Sarek, but uh, Sarek nonetheless. And I would say his likeness is the one that actually is the most convenient. Pretty good, right? Yeah. yeah. And this Andorian looks like he wants no part of this negotiation stuff. <laughs> He's like, he I want to drink until the warp core falls out. <laughs> he looks very grumpy compared to yeah, the other guys. kind of look like... They're ready for a party. You sit down. I'm not sitting down. Yeah. Who are you talking to? And can I just tell you that Paul has taken the care to uh, to do a couple of nice little details here. So he has put Spock's hands behind his back, which, of course, is where Spock would keep his hands. Parade rest. Absolutely. Right? You know, he's, not, he's like, otherwise he's like, I will neck pinch you. If I, <laughs> I can't just keep my hands back here, I won't be tempted. And we have uh, Sarek giving the live long and prosper uh, to the whole gang, um, which is very nice as well. Yeah, I love how his cloak, even though it's next generation, you know, not technically fitting in with Cena. I love how his cloak kind of droops here. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. All right, so uh, thank Sweetness. you, thank you for providing a great audience. Anytime, my friend. Uh, I think it's time to uh, rock and roll this sucker. I think, uh, as befitting the second half of our uh, six bottles, you should open this one. All right, man, that's very kind of you. I can do this. So it's beautifully chilled at what I would call. The right temperature. Good. I uh, I did what you said, and I put it in the fridge. Uh, I put it in this morning, and then I took it out about 15 minutes before I came to your house, and it's probably about a half an hour after I got to your house. Perfection. Been out for about a half an hour. Perfection. Bartenders across the cosmos, thank you. 
I'm looking at your technique here, and I have to tell you, it's much better than my technique. I like the vertical cut and then the pry it off. That that was a solid way to take that yeah. top off. Well, it's I would have to. Uh, it would be embarrassing if I admitted to you in the course of my early days career how many bottles of wine I had to open. Okay. As one does. I mean, thousands. Yeah. I mean, I can't even begin yeah. to, you know. Between thousands. what you were drinking for yourself and what you were serving to other people. Yeah, um, you know. largely what I was serving to other people. Yeah. But yeah. from, you know, um, from just regular customers yeah. to mafioso, whatever it may be, I've had a lot of experience yanking the cork out and ideally not fragmenting it in a million pieces. So what we got here is another piece of beautiful craftsmanship, I would call the best word here. We've got a nice... Uh, Star Trek Wines Cork. It has... That's sort of the Andorian uh, Is that symbol? the Andorian symbol it there? It is, yeah. almost looks like the Eidic in the middle, in a way. They right? do have an interesting symbol Doesn't that looks a little bit like, like the Eidic, yeah, but they sort of string it together with these other shapes. I don't know the origin of that. I think it has something to do with their planets and moons. You know, they're from a they're from an ice moon that orbits a gas giant planet. Oh, they're from, it's a moon, not it an is. ice planet. Yeah. See, i got to watch some of these. Uh, yeah. I feel like there's, there's a part of Enterprise that, you know... There's a lot of go stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's been so long. It's like I'm sure I saw most of them, but it's just been way too long. And you know, one one gets busy as one does. So we have a real nice old school cork there. Um, we have the USP. We have a, a somehow compelling blue liquid, which sounds crazy, right? You're it like, does. do I want to drink this blue thing? But I'm dying to see what this looks like when it comes out of the bottle into the glass. Okay. I'm I'm looking through my glass at one of Paul's wonderful LED lights because we're once again in his um, toy cave of awesomeness. And this wine has a really, really amazing sky blue, ice blue. Ice I'm blue. going with ice blue as well. Ice blue. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it's like if you look, uh, here, nerdy as possible. If you look at like the way they've done like the uh, nacelles. nacelles on a lot of these Eagle Moss ships, sure. that's sort of their tricky way of doing lights, right? Basically, they put in like that kind of pale blue stuff. So it looks like they're illuminated, but yeah. they're not, yeah. right? And but it's it's a similar blue. Like, I agree. To there, but really, really nice. Um, kind of. Uh, Almost like what makes one think of, like, you know, a, a Greek seaside resort, oh. if you will, yes. right? Or, you know, lovely, uh, uh, is it topaz? That, yes. Is it topaz that's blue? Yes, it is. Okay, great. I'm, uh, you know, I'm really good at my primary colors, friends, but these more esoteric things, when we start talking mauve and... you got to go to art school to know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not your guy. Cheers. So. Cheers. Ooh, look at that. Silence. Wow, not good for radio. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't matter because it takes a little bit of time to kind of take in um, this flavor. So I'm gonna I'm gonna speak as a man who doesn't know a thing about. Charmaine. Oh, you know plenty, man. You know what you like, and you know what uh, what you're sensing. Your so, senses are great. What are you What are you getting? So uh, all the taste is happening on the top of my tongue now, and not the sides. Okay. I don't know what that means, but whatever that flavor thing is, it's happening right there. Um, I definitely taste 
like to me, I taste the grapiness. It tastes like a vineyard to me. I don't know, like you're like what a vineyard smells like when you're walking through the rows, you know? That's what this tastes like to me, like a summer's day. Okay. So would it, <laughs> So I don't know what that is. Would is you that, call it grassy? A little bit? Would it be yeah, kind of a grassy? I think grassy is a good because it's in the nose. It all kind of yeah. A floral kind of floral grassy. Things are blooming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're walking amongst the vines. There you go. You feel the uh, smell coming up from the terroir. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So. That is the sense that I'm getting. Yeah. I like that. Get good. Descri- Thank you for helping me out with that. Yeah. What are you getting? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Come on. (laughs) I seem to be compelled to keep drinking more sips here because it's uh, quite delightful. I'm actually um, really, it's, again, we had this conversation a couple weeks ago. We were talking about uh, the Sauvignon Blanc. When you haven't drank a lot of white in a while, it's like, it's kind of like, I love that the reaction is not like, ugh, what's that, right? Because like you're red, red, red. You're kind of like, oh, what a pleasant change of... uh, of uh, of application, uh, right? Mm. It's, it's a different kind of feeling, right? Mm-hmm. It's a real pleasant experience. Um, I'm getting the, the tip of my tongue is is where mm-hmm. I seem to be getting a lot of stuff coming through there, right? And uh, the first thing I got is uh, a very much kind of a a little bit of a concentrated, almost like a citrus. Mm. feel to it yeah. almost like a little bit of like a hint of like you know if you have one of those uh, the cuties at the holiday time the oh, mandarin sure. right yeah. I've got a little hint of that but then I, I almost felt like I had uh, rubbed up against a peach mm-hmm. a little bit of a peach feeling okay. there I can see that yeah. sure yeah and it's not uh, it's it's rich right it's it's rich but it's it's pleasingly dry yeah right? it, good acidity yeah I and what's interesting is I I'm really wondering if there are psychological effects to drinking it at, while it's blue. You know, like am I am I tasting something different? Is it, is it because power of suggestion? Is, the, is the, the power of suggestion working right? Am I like because when I first tasted it too, I also tasted kind of a fruity thing, and I was like, ah, it's probably because it's blue. I think I'm going to taste candy or, or something. blueberries or, or blueberries something. or something. Right, right. So I would like I didn't allow myself to to sort of taste that, but um, the aftertaste has that peachy kind of nest. Yeah, I feel like I'm starting to notice more things. Well, that's always what happens, right? You always, the the longer you're exposed to it, the more things you start to notice. Also, slight leaping from, oh, we have a, from, (laughs) John, from franchises here, but we have an amazing frost giant here that is. (laughs) From the the White Walkers, right? From our good pal. Oh, it's not frost giant. This is Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. So he's got the same blue thing going on there in terms of, and then look behind, we got uh, Iceman stuck in the shelf. Oh, yeah, look back there, yeah. There's there's blue more places than you would think, which is kind of funny. And, of course, my my, a couple of versions of Mystique there. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I like the comic version. Yeah. Partial to comic version, because I just, you know. That outfit is great. Yeah. Yeah. Way cool. So, (laughs) all right, we're driving off-road. Sorry. Back in the (laughs) wine. Come on, do it. (laughs) These things happen. Mm. Yeah, I got to compliment you. Um, I got a chance to listen to uh, last week's episode, uh, the KNR episode. Mm-hmm. Which I don't hear any of this stuff before it airs, right? Because I'm just busy yapping away with you, right? And then you go off and do your magic and somehow edit this stuff down into cohesive, like, bubbles, right? And incredibly well done, because we were all over the place talking, which I think if people tune in Sunday... 
That's right. right. They're going to hear that. The show. They're going to hear, good Lord, those two are like... <laughs> You'll hear how much chopping I actually do. <laughs> yeah. If you really want to get a sense of Eric's editing prowess, yeah. give that a listen. Because yeah. it's like, he, I was like, are you going to be okay? He's like, oh yeah, there's a lot. I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, crazy. But great editing. Oh. But beyond that... Um, when you were interviewing, I, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but you were interviewing the wine uh, marketing person, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. just great questions, man. Mm. Great follow-up questions that just, you know, really got him to open up about things and explain a little bit more. And it's, it's kind of fun. I mean, it's a marketing thing because we're, you know, I mean, they're, they're trying to get people interested in purchasing these wines. Absolutely. And I frankly can't imagine why one wouldn't if you're a wine fan. Mm-hmm. They're great. But there was a lot of good education from that person, right? I mean, it's just the, the thing I like about about these guys is again and again uh, you really get the sense that you know they're not just doing this to make a buck they're doing it with some reverence and respect because they're doing way more work and R&D and research and you know mm-hmm. putting good package together than one would need to mm-hmm. right just to market something with the franchise label on it so it's, it's, there's a lot of respect out there for the fans which I think is pretty unusual absolutely I mean they you know I'm an architect so it's hard for me not to kind of take it back to stuff that I know, but it's it's they treat their wines mm-hmm. the way in which someone treats a absolutely amazing fine home that they're designing. Yeah. You know, every attention to detail, yeah. all the materials really matter, the color matters, the shape matters, the you know, there's a lot of design. Pride of craftsmanship. That's right. Yeah, pride of craftsmanship. That's right. And and I would be interested uh, to hear what the shape of this bottle was inspired by. Because to me, of course, it's Andorian, so I'm already sort of like automatically reading things into it. Once again, you know, I'm probably power of suggestioning myself. But I love that it's a clear bottle, first of all, because that's very icy, right? Very evocative of that kind of thing. But it has that metal on the front, which is like strong. It's like metal. Like, you know, you think of like a a forge or a blacksmith or whatever, right? right? And it's just, it, it has the... The, I think that's one of the things that it, it says to me. Is it's like, okay, the Federation, because it's a Federation emblem. Mm-hmm. The Federation is not just humans. It's made up of other exotic beings from across the cosmos. And it's right in your face with that, with mm-hmm. the blue, right? Absolutely. You know, ma- matching the Andorian. So pretty cool uh, concept going on here. So. so I guess technically this wine, this Andorian wine, would have had to have been made after the Enterprise era. Uh, because uh, that's when they meet, is that right? Well, Andor wasn't a member, a member of the Federation until technically the very end of Enterprise. Yeah, see, again, you got me one up here. Yeah. So their planet is named Andor. Their planet is named... Their moon is named Andor. Their mo- moon is named Andor, yes. So we have a Star Wars crossover. Wait, I'm trying to think. Yo, you're right. Cassian Andor. Yes. From uh, Rogue One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, you know. But it's so funny. I feel like those two franchises really do that a lot. Like, there have been other times I remember when I've looked over at Karen during a movie, uh, like a Star Wars movie, and I'll be like, hey, that's, you know. They're rubbing elbows with my franchise. Right, exactly. Wait a second. on there? Hold the phone. Yeah. Hold the combat. Wait a second. Okay, you're getting low. Because I think you're going to see this is, I'm, I'm definitely getting some pronounced stuff now that is way more mm. pronounced than the hint I thought before, and I'm liking that. Uh, truly. I feel like uh, this wine would go really, really well with food as well. Oh, yeah. Um, like, something, 
I did, I know you just talked about seafood with the other one, but I feel like seafood with this one too yeah. would be a really good match. White, I mean, that's, that's is that, of, I mean, I guess that's I why they that's do it, right? A traditional thing, right? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's, but, but it's because they come. But the seafood is such a broad spectrum of things, right? Mm. It can be so many things. I mean, it's like imagine like this with like uh, barbecue prawns. Like big prawns right off the grill. And I love the barbecue idea of yeah. that because the kind of salty richiness yeah. of that would Smoky, buttery, sp- chewy, flavorful prawns. Never met a prawn I didn't like. Mm. Sorry, Admiral Akbar, but it's a trap. But it's a compliment. It's not a it's not a threat, dude. Uh, but no, they're uh, they're great. I mean, and I, I'm totally can get that. Yeah, I totally see that. Yeah. Uh, ahi tuna would go great with this. Ooh, yeah. You know. Um, of course, any excuse to you know convince somebody that we should order lobster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. Fantastic, man! This that would even, be great. This might even go good with like a like a beef that had some horseradish stuff on it, like some oh. really thinly sliced, like a carpaccio. Or like, there like that. you go. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, something like that that's got a little zip to it. Uh. Because this is almost like a thirst quenching wine. I mean, it's yeah. it's so I'm curious. So when you say dry. Mm-hmm. Can you describe that more to me? I will try. And again, Larry Lehman over here, right? Just, I know what I like. But uh, to me, it's like I tend to use dry when something is, you know, not as fruity or sweet as I'm always hoping I don't encounter. I'm not a big fan of, like, really sweet or fruity wines. Like, uh, uh, you will sometimes, some Rieslings can be way over the top that way. Right, some Pinot you know, Gris, some Pinot you know, Gris can be sure. over the top that sure. way, and I, I don't really enjoy a sweet wine. I like something ideally that if it's got less sugar content to it, it's probably going to have more tannin mm. flavor to it. It's going to have, uh, and it, you sometimes get trouble. You use the word acidity, right? Because people say, oh, it's going to be like you know tart or weird or something. Mm. But I mean, I mean acidity in like a good way. Mm. Right? We have really good tannins, and it's just it's got that richness to it. Um, it's you just sort of feel uh, it working on the inside of your mouth mm-hmm. without it being some kind of distracting, overt sweet thing. Mm-hmm. There's a dryness to it, right? Because of that acidity, because of those nice tannins, and from that general balance to it. So that's what I think of when I say dry. Yeah. When I say you know that way, that's sure. That's what I think of. Uh, I think maybe the Sauvignon Blanc we had a couple of weeks ago it was drier. I, I was gonna mention because I it's because I've always thought that a Chardonnay was supposed to be a dry wine. At least that's the way that my my late father in law used to describe it. He was always say, "Oh, I like the Chardonnays; they're all so dry." And, yeah. But I don't, you know. But it just depends on where you plant it, right? Because Chardonnays, it's like always okay. considered to be like a winemaker's. Grape, right? It's a winemaker's varietal because it's very uh, utilitarian. I mean, and it will grow in a ton of different environments, different ways, right? Yeah. And still do pretty well. Oh, okay. Right? So it's like uh, an altitude plays factor, uh, uh, heat plays factor, soil plays factor. All those mm-hmm. things can, can change what it does. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think a lot of times, and I've been guilty of this a lot, right? Because I just haven't drank it that much, right? Where sort of Chardonnay gets almost a bad rap, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like it's like, oh, it's like you're, you know, uh, <laughs> careful, Paul. It's, uh, <laughs> 
It's a snooty wine, right? It's, no, it's like, let's just say it's like your uh, friends going to the mall wine, right? Oh, Something like that. I or, you know, like not a Super Bowl party wine. But, uh-huh. but it's got... It, it, One step up. It, it has <laughs> maybe a, it has some maybe unpleasant gender, old-fashioned associations to it that are, I think, dismissive, that are need to be let go. Yeah. All right? And I think it's just like, so this experience has made me want to revisit and drink more white wines, mm-hmm. especially more like go back and try a lot of German wine. Oh. Like German white wines, like a German Gewurztraminer. Oh, okay. Like that, is that what? What is that grape like? I don't even know. Uh, it can be a little fruitier. It can be a little sweeter. But okay. man, you get the right Gewurztraminer and uh, and some good cheese. Oh, oh holy hell! Oh, you're off to the hill. Yeah. I love cheese. Yeah. <laughs> I have a huge, uh, it's one of my things that Susan and I want to be able to do. Uh, we have really got a thing for like in our head about mythologizing uh, like northern France and like Alsace uh, where they have like the Christmas markets huh? every year. The food and wine. Uh, Over the top. I've unfortunately watched a couple documentaries about it that show what it's like. Right? Now these medieval towns that have been doing the same Christmas festivals for over like a thousand years, in some cases even longer. And there's establishments there that have been open that long. Hotels, alehouses, wineries that are like, you know, centuries and centuries old and they've just been doing the same thing, doing the same thing. Bakeries, dude. Wow. That are, you know, thousands and... and <laughs> Ovens, that must be... The, like... I hear it calling to me, Eric. Oh my gosh, and, that sounds uh, amazing. Yeah. yeah, so to me, that's that there will come a holiday season or at some point or a bottom or what have you where we will be going to experience that. So this is a particular region of France? Or? Um, like Alsace. Okay. I think where it's more northerly towards like the border of Germany. Okay. Right. Okay. But the, so more Alpine. Yes. You know, in terms sure. of those type of regions. But yeah. you know, it's just it's it's stuff I like in abundance. Oh, right. God. It's like I'm you know the bakeries, uh, wine, yeah. beer, yeah. cheese. Yeah. Right. I'm done. <laughs> like, you, know, I, you know, put me to bed. Yeah. <laughs> roast boar. You know yeah. that kind of thing. Right. It's uh, Glue wine, you know glue wine or glow wine. Thank you for pronouncing it correctly. Yeah, no. I've got a bottle of it upstairs. Okay, um, it's a holiday tradition, right? It's like a from mul- which country? Um, Germany and from France. Okay. Yeah, northern France and Germany. It's yeah. a real popular thing, but it's a it's dark, right? It almost looks like like a dark red wine, right? And it's like a mulled spice wine. Oh. Okay, so it's got like cloves and oh, you know, sure. all kinds of good spices in there, and it's served warm, yeah. right? So it's out there, and you dip your ladle in, and you have a big <gasps> mug of like mulled spice wine when it's 20 degrees outside, and then you go over and look, hey, who's got the boar? Who's got the sausages and there's uh, a big fire burning absolutely and there's like yeah. medieval members in the street dancing around doing all that stuff I'm sorry but I'm in that sounds amazing yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> that sounds amazing it's, it's phenomenal so uh, it's it's a place that I have mythologized to a crazy degree in my head gotta get there mm-hmm. at some point but I think that's like a wine mecca for me and I think that uh, it's and white wine's a big part of that mm-hmm. so it's like so kudos white winemakers mm-hmm. but I want to have another sip of this and then see if See if you're getting what I'm getting, because I got the last sip, a much more pronounced. Hmm. Yeah. In terms of that, okay. So I get that, and uh, that flavor, that experience, that uh, sensation. That's the word I've been stumbling around for (laughs) tonight that will not come. Why has it been so difficult to find? That sensation, right? And 
my mouth is remembering a similar sensation that's almost exactly the same. And it is like when you bite into like a, like a, like a nectarine. I just thought nectarine in my head. I literally, before you said <laughs> oh. that, I thought nectarine and I was like, I don't know, that's too much like tea. I so almost head. feel that I can yeah. like even like uh, get a hint of like the rind of the peel. Yes. Right? Where yeah, I really do. Totally. And it's the, it's the initial sensation, it's the nose thing, and yeah. it's the aftertaste. I don't always have the best sense of smell, but I definitely get it with this. Okay. Right? Yeah. And the, the taste. That's so funny. But absolutely. It's a wonderful aftertaste. It has that great, you know, tangy citrus quality to it. And it's With a little body. Yeah. Right? It's not like an orange. Because an orange, the aftertaste of an orange is hollow. The aftertaste of a nectarine has some meat to it. Yeah. Right. It's complicated. It is. It's complicated. Yeah. And it's not like, and, and you're going to think, oh, it's the weird, weird tart sweet. I'm not going to like it. And it's just, it's hints. You know, it's hints. It's We're hints, talking, yeah. right? And it's, it's, like it's very it. mellow, very approachable, but... Uh, but it still tastes like a grape. Too, yeah. But um, I only mention it because I find it pleasingly so. Mm. It's it's really a kind of a delightful surprise. And, you know, that's... Yeah. Well, well done, gang. I, I, I'm, I'm really curious about that. I'm really curious about the... The, the process to make the blue if it's just a, a dye or what but it's done well it's done artfully it doesn't look like something that's you know so this one has less legs than the last one but the last one was a red I don't know look look towards the middle I, oh I actually your legs are like really maybe I just don't know how to swirl here it looked like about a half inch right above the surface of the line And you almost have to turn the glass to see him, but I yeah. definitely see him. Is that because the maybe the color makes him harder to see or something? It could be. Yeah. Now I see him. Now, yeah, now you mention it. Also, this is the latest uh, uh, Trek Talking uh, Fireside Chat we've ever done, too. So it is. The yeah. sun has gone below the horizon. I know. Every other one's been during Every the other one's been daylight, which yeah. is a terrible thing to admit, right? It's like, well, sometimes you got to daydream for... Uh, exactly. You know, Trek daydreamers are Paul and Eric. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. It's when we had time, okay? It's an innocent excuse, but it's yeah. like, but this yeah. one, it was like, it's more like social occasion. It it's is. like, you know, we had dinner, you know. It feels more natural I, yeah. in some ways because um, I feel like I should be drinking wine now instead of at one o'clock. Dare I say more European? A bit perhaps? more. We would not have even had dinner yet if this was Europe. We would just be. We would just be getting going. Yeah, you'd be getting up right? your siesta, yeah. doing your thing. That's right. You know, I tend to eat dinner after walking the dogs. Do you? It depends. You know, yeah. I, I try to walk them earlier, at least when it's dark like this. Yeah. Right? Which is going away in a couple of weeks. I know. Stupid daylight savings. It just it messes with me so much, and I don't know why it didn't when I was younger. I just felt like I adjusted more quickly, and I have to tell you that I think I'm still on literally the time from the fall time change. Yeah. I just don't think I ever adjusted. Well, I, I will bet you that I will get up at exactly the same time and it'll be yeah. an hour later. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it'll just, yeah. Well, I think... Uh, <laughs> and I can't remember our winemaker friends would know because they live there, but didn't California abandon Daylight Savings Time or did they keep it? Uh... I don't know that they abandoned it, but I... I know there was an initiative to, to look at doing really? it, but I can't... I don't recall what actually okay. happened with that, okay. so... But I'd be in favor of dumping it. Or just perpetual. I mean, a perpetual... I can't really understand why we still do it, to tell you the truth. It doesn't plug into anything societally that we need to do anymore. It doesn't, like... 
You're not an agrarian guy who goes out and milks the goats in the morning? I'm not even sure. Like, to tell you that, I mean, most of the farmers these days are using the robot tractors that, you know, go around and do most of the hard... Like, no, I'm totally serious. Like, the big farmers, they don't even have to drive their tractors anymore. They can just, like, set their tractors to do the harvesting, and they will go do a hundred other... Like, they, they spend more time managing the business... Then they spend driving a tractor, I think. Think about how crazy that would have sounded to you as a kid, right? right? Robot tractors, right? Which <laughs> and now with GPS, they can get them within, like, feet of where they need to be. Yeah, right? which they is just, crazy. Yeah. And I got, you're making me think of, and this is going to be a moderately ham-fisted segue, but there you go. But now you're bringing me back because I had a chance to watch everything I missed from the Picard uh, premiere mm-hmm. and how about the talk about robot farm equipment on the Chateau Picard vineyard there he's got all kinds of crazy containers floating up and down the the vineyard aisles there that are doing various things let's hope he's not fertilizing anything let's and they beam the grapes right off the vine yeah that was yeah. great so you really got a, a good sense of what that environment looks like uh, that was really great. So I'm super. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of encouraging signs from that first episode. Really, really hope that I, it feels like it just feels different to me in terms of tone. That like they made a lot of changes and they didn't bother to explain what all these changes are. They're just kind of assuming you'll figure it out and go with it. And let's get right into those characters in that plot. And I will say that the internet in general and even our listeners, Trek talking. Uh, listeners on our Facebook page have absolutely loved it. Good. It, it's getting nines and tens yeah. from everybody. Right First now. Romulan Starfleet. Yeah. That's an auspicious moment. It That's is. cool. It's a big deal. That's cool. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. I really like that. So um, I, I think they're. I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going. It is really odd that uh, to me, and I, there must be a reason for it, but they haven't mentioned anything about how the first season ended with Picard and kind of transformative wise. No, and... Uh, I mean, it's not like they're going to forget that they did that, because that was kind of a big deal. I have, and I'm just spoiler alert, I've seen two episodes, and it has not yet been mentioned. Okay. So Even after episode two? Even after episode okay. two, it still has not been mentioned, so I'm very curious how they're going to do that. I feel like it's going to come up not as a main plot point, but as an end point, right? Like, I don't think it's going to be something that they explore more throughout the season, because I feel like they kind of did that. Yeah. And plus, in that first episode, they set up so much other stuff they have to deal with. But, yeah, but I mean, I, I, we're kind of talking around it, right? right. We're trying, but, I mean, every, I think most people watch the first season. Spoiler alert. Right? Spoiler alert. Red alert. Close, put down the cone of silence, whatever yeah. you must do. But, like, at the end, he's been transformed into a cybernetic body, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he has been, mm-hmm. whatever the appropriate term would be. His, his body is considered a golem, but, uh, yeah, he's basically an android. Right. Like, yeah. in a, like a shell. Like yeah. a data. His consciousness has been put in there, That's right? right. And here we are pretty clearly having the Borg be, you know, the potential for, you know, for that, you know, to be writ large. And it's Locutus! Yeah. It's Locutus. Yeah. And for there not to be echoes and there have to and I mean, there were, in, there were in season one, right? Yeah. Which I loved. I love. I mean, part of the reason I love season one so much was that they're finally dealing with the aftermath of things. Yeah. Like this is this is actually the the new frontier for Star Trek is dealing with all your past crap. Discovery is finally doing it. Picard is doing it. Like they're showing consequences from what's happened in the past and like what happens in the future as a result. Yeah. Or as it used to be, story of the week. Everything's kind of the same yeah. at the end of the episode as when you started it. You know, yeah. people might get a 
like season-long arc, but a 26-episode season-long arc that's sort of obfuscated by a lot of bad episodes in the middle. Yeah. And, you know. and you'd maybe have mythology episodes that the character for hey, throw in here and there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you don't get that consistent character arc that you can that you can do now. You can really explore some of this, like what happens. You know, what was the aftermath of Picard making? Maybe some good decisions, maybe some bad decisions. I love that moment in season one where um, where the admiral, I can't remember her name right now, but it's like sheer effing hubris, right? Yeah. Because it's true. It was true. And despite the fact that in my eyes, Picard can almost do no wrong, right, right. <laughs> she was absolutely right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. And I think, uh, I mean, I've only seen the first episode, but I, I get the feeling it's like you're saying, right? But it's just like dealing with your past stuff. Right? That can mean a couple of different things, right? It can mean traumatic things that have happened to you in the past. And I think one of the best things I ever, I always bring this up when people who are like, you know, new to next gen, I'm like, they're sure, like, oh, watch next gen? I'm like, here's why, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, not only did they do the whole locutus thing, right, with Best of Both Worlds, but then the very next episode is, is family, right? And dealing with the trauma of, yeah. of what that's like yeah. and, and how that scars you and how trauma shapes you and you carry that with you, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got that, but I think maybe where they're going with this season, I, I, I feel, and it's going to be really good stuff, uh, I think, for an actor, it's like not just, you know, the trauma of stuff that happened to you, but what about the stuff that, uh, that didn't? happen to you, right? Because what, what does he say, and I'm just saying he here, but the the last line of this first episode was to talk about the road not taken, mm-hmm. right? And what about the regret for things you didn't do, mm-hmm. right? All those things. Here's a guy, Picard, who's devoted his whole life to a career, right? To looking up, to growing his face. But he's got, he, you know, he's warmly acknowledges in front of the, you know, the cadet class in Starfleet. I am the last Picard. I have no heir. Yeah. Uh, there's no one like. Does that give you pause? Does it give you regret? What's that going to be like? Yeah. Right. And I think they're going to be exploring some stuff like that. I can't sure. imagine that they won't be based on what we've seen in this first episode. So I'm kind of am. Yeah. Uh, I'm way more excited for this one. Uh, just in terms of, it just feels like they're you know. Far They're heading into interesting territory. Yeah. I think. I think it's the, and you know, it's, who doesn't love a boring episode? <laughs> We've never had a Borg origin story, we, did we? In terms no, of, no, have we, we? We do not do have. We any, don't know how they came originally to be. We do not have a prime canon. We have a couple of like beta canon canon explanations for where they came from. Um, which, by the way, there's a very excellent IDW comic that is just Star Trek Borg. I think is what it's called, and there's a really cool kind of semi it's somewhere in that room you should read it yeah. if you haven't because it's amazing yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I've got it I'm sure you've read it it's one of those single point. issue boards it's a single yeah. issue like when they did the Klingons and the board yeah. and the wrong yeah. I think I have all those yeah, so it's, yeah. You know, it's a good episode a little bit of issue. a comic book problem yeah <laughs> just comic book yeah no no <laughs> I have my enthusiasms, and they, you know, they're they're healthy. There are worse vices. I think, yeah, I think world, you, you need something to help process the real world. Yeah. And as you're, some people are doing gardening, some people buy race cars, whatever. Well, I have set, I do science fiction. I have set a time for myself to. Uh, it's a night that I know I get some some dad time all by myself. I'm gonna watch the thing. 
Oh, good. Excellent. Never seen it. John Carpenter's The Thick. So, yeah, we were uh, talking about that last week. We were talking about that yeah. last week, and I just you hyped it up so much, and it sounds very interesting to me, so I'm going to watch it. Yeah. And I look forward to talking to you about it oh, when I see it. It's, yeah, it's pretty wild. I'm, uh, I, I, I mean, it's... I don't want to bias anything, so I'm no, not no, going to, but, fine, it's just, yeah. but it's just, you know, it's... Uh, it's uh, the thing had a, an interesting path, right? It's like uh, the thing comes out. And I'm a big John Carpenter fan. I just think he's, you know, a legendary dude, right? I mean, Escape from New York is one of my, you know, holiest of holies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry, Cloud Williams. It's a great movie. Holiest of holies. You may not say it. <laughs> you may not speak to Eplebnista. <laughs> but the thing with the thing, right? It comes out and. Uh, it had the unfortunate timing of coming out, like, I think within a week of Steven Spielberg's E.T., mm. okay, which is like this magical, happy land, like, you know, Highest nostalgia, yeah. happy alien, happy alien, love, love, you know, all this stuff, yeah. kid-friendly, and the the thing is like the Lovecraftian antithesis, right? It's just... It's going to scare it, more people. It's, it's just not what I'm making. It's not to reassure yeah. you in any way. And it was just like... It just did not... It was just the worst timing ever in the release calendar, man, to ever come out. But but it's one of those movies, home video, mm. everything changed, right? It's just you normally, back in the day, you died. There you go. You, you know, Didn't connect with the audience. Boo-hoo, you're out of work, right? But... But it found a huge secondary life on home video. It became a cult, you know, a cult phenomenon. Oh, for sure. Right, along with just about every other John Carpenter movie. And it's just, I think you'll find it really, really interesting. Um, uh, yeah, great script, good cast. Um, it's, it's, and it's, it's a science fiction horror movie, Yeah. period. See, that's what I like about it is that science fiction aspect to it. Because straight up horror, eh, but also, you, know, you actually made a good point last time because... You know, I think when a lot of people think of horror, they do think of Freddie and Jason oh, and yeah. Mike Myers and like that, those guys. You know, they don't necessarily think of. It's like you're saying, you know, it's like you're, you know, asking somebody to watch porn. Almost the reaction you get, right? It's like really negative. Yeah. It's like people bring kind of an association to it. It's like no, no, it's distasteful or whatever, right? right? But right. But uh, or there's no, there's literally no value. There are there. many flavors. It's like seafood. There are many flavors of horror, mm-hmm. and it's often done really poorly a lot. Mm-hmm. But when it's good and it's done well, and ideally when it's married with science fiction, so it can I, be great. You it know, can I be have, so I haven't seen a ton of, but the one that I can think of that I really I love at least the first couple of movies. I really like the Hellraiser. Um, yeah, movies. yeah. Those are great, Clyde Barker. They really are, and I I like their complexity, and they like make you think a little bit, and the the creepiness and the gore isn't like over the top to me. It's it's mythological in nature, you know, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, I, even though they're not among my my favorite movies in the world, I'd still love to have a box, like the puzzle box. The puzzle box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, those are super creepy. I remember going to see uh, that in the theater when it first came out. It was just like, oh man, yeah. it's just like they were willing to make horror movies like that that were like. Uh, and Clyde Barker, you know, I mean, he he was willing to go out there. It's just like 
he would do stuff that you were not expecting. Yeah. Right? And I think it's similar mentality to like what David Cronenberg was doing at mm. the height of his thing. He's just like, you know, it's like I'm gonna make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like we're gonna, you know. Uh, I remember going to see The Fly, oh, the yeah. David Cronenberg The Fly with the New York City audience, right, the first time, and it was just like people were not ready. Dude, they were not ready. <laughs> like, what's happening? <laughs> just like, holy, guys, just like, that's great. I mean, the New York audiences are fun because they, the, at least they were. I mean, I don't know if they still are. I assume they are, but they don't hold back. Yeah, their reactions. Right? Talk about it. Yeah, people are screaming. Yeah, right. I mean, literally screaming. You know, when something awful happens, I love it. it's great. I love it. You know, so it's super, super fun. But the horror movie audiences are the best because mm-hmm. you know, they're super. You know. They're loud. They're into it. Yeah. They're into it. So, what's well, up? As a guy who's seen Rocky Horror Picture Show probably 150 times in my life, I can appreciate that. I used to work at a movie theater uh, in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that played it every oh, weekend God. at midnight. Did you have to work that shift? And I often, I was the assistant manager, so I often worked that kind of oh, Saturday night man. Rocky Horror shift. You the know. things you saw, the yeah. things you learned. <laughs> oh, wow. I learned a lot. I bet you did. <laughs> There's no un- unlearning that. Nope. Oh, man. Nope. That's hysterical. And we had, uh, the cast was the, they were called the Sensual Daydreams. And they were at the time considered like one of the prime, like live casts for a Rocky Horror in the United States. And so they, they literally did the thing on the stage with the movie every single Saturday wow. night. It was unbelievable. Yeah, here in Portland, Clinton Street Theater. Okay. Yeah, that was the same thing. Okay. Back, back, I, I don't know if they still do it. But yeah. I mean, I'm just not plugged in. Sure. Yeah. I'm an old guy now, but they, they used to do Rocky that forever. Yeah. I mean, every freaking weekend. It was yeah. just like an institution. Yeah. You know, nuclear war? Oh, yeah, we're doing Rocky Horror. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Always, no matter what. Well, I'm excited to hear what you think of the thing. Yes. You know, and, and fans out there, if you've not seen... Uh, uh, some of these great John Carpenter movies like uh, Escape from New York, Big Trouble in Little China, Assault on Precinct 13, uh, The Fog. Yeah. I mean, uh, but the thing's way up there, especially if you're more of a sci-fi than a horror person. I And dude, the badge of honor, soundtrack score, Ennio Morcone. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ennio Morcone. I could get into that, yeah. Yeah. In fact, weird, weirdly, um, it was an odd choice, but it worked beautifully, right? Um, I don't know, were you much of a Tarantino fan? Sure. Yeah. When Tarantino did his last big Western, right? Hateful Eight? Yeah, sure. Right? It's like big, cinemascope, wild, crazy 70-millimeter Western, right? Right. Really cool. So, the score samples soundtrack music from Ian Morcone's The Thing. Really? There is some. There is at least five or six tracks that are like the Thing soundtrack that are in. Oh, that's so interesting. Eight. It's okay. Wild. So, okay. You know, hugely. Maybe I'll recognize those oh, when I watch oh, the movie. Okay. The, but the soundtrack's amazing. It's super under. It's it's not a movie designed to make you feel good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It is called the thing. Yeah, it's just, but it's great, man. It's just practical effects, great cast. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. Well, I no more can be said until you've seen it. Then yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate all aspects of good movies, but the soundtrack in particular. We talk quite a bit on the podcast about how all of us really appreciate, um, like Star Trek: The Motion Picture, you know, oh. the opening scene, the Klingon battle, like just that 
starting with that music and throughout that entire movie, yeah. just the way that they used it. And now we take it for granted, but that was a, that was was. a theme no one had ever heard before. No. And it was just, like, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. It's just totally and, and just the way that they, the long shadow. And they used the technology of the day to, like, influence the way that the soundtrack sounded, yeah. which I just ugh, Amazing. So much. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it was a really good call. I think. Uh, I mean, it's. It's. I think that movie's getting um, more of a an appreciative and reverential audience as time passes. People dumped all over it for a long time. The motion picture, right? And uh, they really did. And I'm jonesing, man, because before this year is over, uh, Wise's director's cut, mm-hmm. right? In 4K, mm-hmm. it's coming. And I can't wait. And Paramount's being really pretty reverential, it sounds like, with their... They just did a big uh, restoration of the Godfather films for 4K. Oh. I think they're trying to be really, 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 uh, you know, be like film preservationists, have you know, good, you know, reverence for the audience and, mm-hmm. and for the original filmmakers and stuff like that. And, and you know, not a lot. He's old school. He's the guy who did, you know... Not only West Side Story, but, you know, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, yes. The guy who directed The Day the Earth oh Stood God. Still did the first Star Trek movie. That just blows my mind <laughs> yeah, to this day. It is wild. You know, incredible movie. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. So I think the, the longer time goes out, I think the longer more people are going to be really appreciating what that movie had to do and how much influence it, it had, um, you know. Do you think people gain an appreciation for movies like that? So what, one of the comparisons we've often made is Star Trek Motion picture to 2001, A Space Odyssey. Um, do you think that people have, are starting to gain more of an appreciation for those types of movies because we're sort of marveled out? I don't know. Um, I think that what it... That's such a tough question. I don't know if you can, you know, definitively... Not saying that I don't appreciate answer. the Marvel thing, but just that, that I see movies those like kind of long slow paced gently developing you know not a ton of dialogue going on lots of heavy soundtrack influence like you just don't see movies like that yeah. now and I mean I, I love the Marvel flicks I do yeah I love me too MCU, but, but to me it's just like there, there's and, and God save Paul from sounding pretentious but you know movies are my jam right mm-hmm. that's what I love but there's like movies Right, and that's how I would describe, you know, the MCU. They're movies, right? They're they're fun. They're movies, but a movie like, uh, and this is where I think you find connective tissue with like the motion picture, right? Movies like the David Lean pictures, right? Or the old school Hollywood movies from the fifties and the sixties, right? Lawrence of Arabia, mm-hmm. okay? They're not just movies of cinema. Cinema, right. I mean, they are cinema. Yeah. I mean, there you could watch them with no dialogue and have an experience mm, watching. That them. is true. Right. Uh, Bridge on the River Kwai, Doctor Zhivago, movies like Citizen Kane. All those. I mean, those are cinematic movies, man. Two thousand one. That is cinema. Mm-hmm. Planet of the Apes. Franklin Schaffner. That is cinema. Yeah, oh yeah. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry. The thing. That's it's, okay. it's dark, but to me it's a cinematic movie. It yeah. really is. It's it's tremendously so. So it's that's that's why I think and, and I feel like the Star Wars movies are that way, mm-hmm. right? Because they're just the way they're shot, cinematography, the storytelling techniques. It's mm-hmm. just like they they resonate and they're kind of mythology, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's why people come back to those year and year and year. Of course, yeah. So I'm 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 I think you know I'm definitely an admirer of the. The motion picture, I think it's mm-hmm. right. So, 
good stuff. Well, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, too, where uh, the more you watch Nemesis, the better it gets. Okay. <laughs> and that's, 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 that's going to be... Particularly... Now that Picard is back in season, All it's right. not a bad time to rewatch Nemesis. Okay, that's going to be a tough sell. I know. Okay, because know. let me tell you my perspective uh, on Nemesis. Did I run out of juice over here on this sucker? I think maybe uh, Paul has some absolutely wonderful uh, rotating platforms here. I'm rotating in, very slowly. In his, in his toy room. <laughs> Um, there are two scenes. One is Princess Leia with R2-D2 um, when she's helping Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, you're my only hope. <laughs> she's re- recording her. <laughs> she's recording the. Recording her, um, yeah. uh, her Instagram. That's message. right. And then we have, uh, in the other glass case, we have Vader and the Emperor in his chair, which is such a cool, I love the Emperor in his chair. That one is, I love that. Yeah, yeah it's neat. But they're not rotating right now. They're not really, I think we need to charge those uh, power units up there. Okay, so Nemesis. Yeah. All right, and I can only, can I try to keep it sci-fi with you, brother, as much as I can, right? Okay. But it's like, I, I you know, I got to bounce back with the immortal words of Ellen Ripley, all right? <laughs> I am not going to go back. <laughs> and I would not be any good to you if I did. Right. <laughs> okay. I'm still traumatized I by know. my experience with Nemesis. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but wow. I was just like, it, it just, you know, it was where I was at. Ends up when I should go look at it again. Mm-hmm. I don't have any excuse not to at the yeah. time. But I really had a, uh, I thought I had a bad hit on Insurrection. Yeah, it, well, so which one do you consider the bottom of the barrel then? Nemesis or? Probably Nemesis. Yeah. Right? Because I feel like it, it did for me a lot of, and it's hard to get real specific because I've tried to kind of, you know, ask me to describe the plot of it, and I can't. Like, what? There was I a Picard no clone god. And, <laughs> right. You know, there was that. And, right. and somebody got married, I think. They, they, <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you need to watch it again. <laughs> That's the best I can do on a Saturday night. Right? Uh-huh. But uh, I felt like I had a similar reaction uh, that I had when I came out of uh, Alien 3, mm-hmm. right? Where I had really revered what had come before. Yeah. Right? And, uh, you know, first contact really revered it, right? I love Generations. I mean, some people dump on me for that, but I think Generations is a lot of fun, and it feels like a good branching off point from the series. Right? I felt like, okay, you know, there's some good stuff in there, but man, I felt like uh, with uh, Alien 3, they felt like, okay, you basically spit in the eye of all the good stuff I liked in the yeah. previous movie. Yeah. You started your movie by killing Hicks and Newt, that I've been rooting to save their lives for the last movie, and now you're just nihilistic getting rid of them? I don't dig that, man. And I was just like, I was really put off by that. And I was just like, that's not affection or respect for what's come before. You know, just trying to be a dick, you know. Mm -hmm. Excuse my French. But I was just like, you know, I didn't like that. And it just was a bad tone. And I had a similar vibe from Insurrection. I can't remember what it was, but I felt like there was stuff they were doing, they were undoing the good things that had been reverently told in the previous series of the show and I'm like now you're kind of undoing all that and making it somehow less cool Mm, I mean and again this is like when did that movie come out 30 years ago Nemesis something like that that? I mean so look at me I mean you know I mean that's a long ass time ago I might have a completely different reaction to it it's a little yeah I mean 
It's possible. Okay, so there are many reasons that the movie's not amazing, but it does that looking back, it, it does that dark mirror Picard looking at himself thing that the series Picard is now doing. So it's kind of like a prototype Picard show in some ways, right? Where he's like looking at a person who is, what if my nurture had been a little bit different? What would mm, I have okay. been instead? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, that's... Well, at some point, because I respect you tremendously, <laughs> um, I will have to... Uh, everything's running out of batteries down here. It's terrible. Um, I will have to check it out again. Mm-hmm. Just to sort of see what happens. You know, yeah. I, maybe I'll like it. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. But, you probably uh, won't love it. But yeah. maybe you'll be like, well, it's not as bad as I remember. Yeah, but it's kind of like if somebody said to me, like, hey, you should really check out uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome again. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, why would I do I'd that? Be like, no, I really shouldn't watch Bad Max. Because it's got Dina Turner, man. Come yeah, on. No, it's like no. There's there's only three yeah. uh, Mad Max movies as far as I know. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, boy, I wish I didn't know some of the behind the scenes things that are coming out about uh, Fury Road. Oh, really? Oh. Wow. Good or bad? Bad. Um, Mr. Hardy is not a good guy to work with sometimes. Oh, so really? Like, yeah. I haven't, like, I haven't been plugged in. Plug it. So it's okay. gossipy, but it's just Jesus. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Charlize Theron won't stop talking about it. Okay. She's like, she's decided to, you know. That's the way I felt Yee. with, uh, when the stuff came out about, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name, but the actress who played Shuri in um, Black Panther. Uh, his sister. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank, too. Uh, I can't remember the actress's name, but there's some weird stuff there, too, that she is now no longer with the Marvel franchise. Oh, really? Yeah. She's not in the sequel in the Black Panther thing? They recast Shuri. I am not sure Shuri will be part of it, because I don't know if they can recast that, can they? I don't know. Well, they recast um, uh, uh, Rhodey. Well, okay, so maybe they could. So you can recast anybody, okay. I think, right? If you okay. just basically have a reason to and you got money. Yeah. Then you can do whatever you want, all right? But they, they did that. They were like, sorry, Terrence Howard. <laughs> well, I have to tell you that I hope they do recast her because, honestly, like, my kid, my proto-teen girl, thought that she was just the freaking coolest character <laughs> in Black Panther. Like, sure. not only was she the smartest one on the screen, aside from maybe Tony Stark, but, like, you know... She's definitely right up there, and, like, all of the technology that she used, and just her whole look, and her old jam, and her, like, humor. And Letitia Wright. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Letitia so you can, you can look that up later if you'd like to, and check it out, and see kind of why she's no longer with the ah. MCU, but uh, it was fairly disappointing political Bummer. stuff, and just, like, things that she would say. Um, ah. So maybe, they, but I, now that I'm rethinking this, hopefully they do recast her. Yeah. If yeah. it's a cool, you know, because... She's I'm, a great character. I'm like, assuming they will never go near recasting. Uh, oh, I wouldn't think so. No, because it's, no. it's disrespectful. That's too, you can't yeah. do That's that. Like you have recasting to, Anton even, Yeah, even if you have that. to, you know, change the mythology as yeah. written where the character dies. I think you have to, and there's yeah. tons of ways to do that. So yeah, I totally. think probably go down that road but man that's that's a shame yeah yeah but yeah it's just like it's the you know it's the whole weird thing man you're loving the shows you love and it's, it's like what happened on the mandalorian oh, oh. i was just thinking about that yeah, she's it's the one same of my favorite thing. characters i but, she but, was so cool you know i mean you can course correct some of that stuff this this actress who come back yeah right you get the yeah. best press agent you can and you can fix some of that stuff but it's you know but fans still generally like her it you, know, you they, mean the character or the person? 
I, well, I think they, I think they're more familiar with the character okay. than the person. Well, yeah, it's like if they were like, oh, she's going to be back in the show. I people watch her. I don't think that she's, you know, I think she's way more hated by the studio than the fans at this point. Mm. Is the impression I get. I think that you know. Well, she she was defended pretty heavily by a lot of people when that whole shenanigans went down. Yeah, yeah, but it's a bummer, you know, all that stuff. It's just like, yeah. It's just like, I, I tend to not like the whole gossipy universe anyway. Though I think I'm the person who started this conversation down that road, which is terrible. So Well, it's not even necessarily uh, gossipy. I mean, to me, it's a question of, like, how people use their fame, right? Yeah. And, like, what what's their responsibility in using their fame? Yeah. You know, you... Are you, you being a positive influence? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kaepernick's a great example, right? Yeah. Like... There's somebody who didn't think he was really going out on that big of a limb, but knew he wanted to do something because of the position that he was in. Yeah. And look at how everybody flipped on him. I mean, it just like totally went off the rails in his case. And that I feel like he's like the it's like the whipping boy for that whole idea. You know, unfortunately, I think yeah. that it, it would be different had he done that last year instead of 10 years ago, however long yeah. it was that he did it, yeah. But, you know, it's, just, it's, it's funny how that goes, right? Yeah. It truly is. It's just, uh, it's, uh, sometimes it's just, you know, it's, it, we still have a very difficult time with folks who, uh, you know, do something declarative over their ethics, mm. right? And it's just sometimes that always, it's like, it gets very quickly, tr- you know, especially with entertainment folk. Right, we're sports folk, right? Who are really the same, one of the same. It's like, oh, you're, you know, why are you outside of your lane, right? Mm. Why are you doing your thing here? Why can't you just play football mm. or whatever, right? Why do you have to do that? And it's just like, well, that's that's a, that's a one approach to looking at it, but I think there's a lot of other approaches. I mean, you know, it's like Uncle Ben said. With great power comes great responsibility, yeah, yeah, right? And yeah. it's true. Yeah. It is true. I grew up like, you know, when those guys were at the Olympics, right? What did they do, mm-hmm. right? When they had the opportunity, mm-hmm. right? They Absolutely. Put, they put their fists up in the air and sure. they said, don't, you know, this no. is, you know, this is wrong. That's your moment. We're living in wrong times and this is if I have one chance to do something. That's right. You know, I'm going to speak, you know, and... Uh, it's you know a lot of folks throughout history have believed the silence is worse you know and you know I don't think it's a controversial thing to say that you yeah. know, we've heard that same thing theme on Star Trek many times absolutely you, you need to uh, you know you can't be silent in the face of uh, something that's wrong Mm-mm. that it feels wrong that's right, right. So it's, it's crazy so. crazy Ooh, stuff there's some great TNG episodes that deal with that oh I know <laughs> The drumhead. It's the first one that came yeah. to my mind. Yeah, just immediately. Drumhead, drumhead, and uh, a measure of a man. Yeah, of I think are two of the ones yeah. where I'm just like, okay, it's like you know, you want to see writing? Yeah, that's writing, yeah. right? It's like really, really, you know, that's that's like, just give them the Peabody Award, mm-hmm. right? It's like they, it's phenomenal. Now, what are we tasting now, Eric? We let that sit there yeah. for a little bit. That's uh, doing its thing. We are making pretty good scholarly progress through this bottle of uh, Andorian Blue. Well, I'm definitely no longer getting the the grassy, um, freshy springiness, and even the apricot 
nectarine kind of aftertaste is going away, to me it's gaining, um, what is it, earthiness, I guess. Mm. Like, uh, You're out in the field. I want to say it's tasting like dirt, but that sounds bad, but, it, it, but it's... It, like yeah. an earthy, a mineral yeah, kind of... Mineral, that's yeah, a good the one. Terroir. There you go. Say, right? it's, the, it's, it's got a more of a mineral kind of flavor to it, and, and so... There's nothing wrong with that, man. That's, that's a good thing to describe. So it's interesting because if I think about it, you know, you started with the kind of lighter, um, we said thirst quenching at the beginning, taste. Uh, I'm almost envisioning this wine, maybe this is me getting a little too philosophical about it, but it, it, it like started out in the clouds and it's kind of like coming down to earth as it mellows, right? Where it was like, it was like icy cold blue and then it sort of got like fruity rich sunny on the way down and now as it continues to fall, it's like becoming part of the earth and eventually it'll just sort of... Are you saying... It started off as the Stratos uh, city dwellers of the cloud minders, and now it's down there with the uh, the, the Morlocks. <laughs> what were they? The thralls? No, I'm trying to remember from from the cloud minders episode. Troglites. Oh, troglites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what would troglites do here? Right. Yeah. <laughs> the same things you and I do, imagine. Live. That's actually exactly what I meant. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I thought you were kind of going down there. I'm like, wow, he really is getting <laughs> Yes, we can do it with just about everything. I just, you know, I that's what I'm just reading off of it is that it, you know, I, I like to kind of put it in context. I kind of wish I had first tasted this blindfolded. Mm. Uh, simply because I think that the visual thing for me is such a strong cue that I do think it threw off my first taste. The blue. The blue. Yeah. I think it was just kind of like, I'm not sure what I'm going to taste. Am I going to taste a Jolly Rancher? Am I going to taste like, you know, blueberry? Uh, Did anyone else just hear Eric say the blue in his best Shatner-esque <laughs> speed pause? <laughs> yeah. The blue. The blue. <laughs> yeah, just walk the blue. <laughs> wow. I, you know, I'm well done, done Star Trek. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly have. That's great, though. Now, I'm still like so citrus, mm. you know. Okay. And, uh, but not overkill. Just, just right. Okay. You know, it's it's Good. great for me. Um, I'm trying to think of like all the foods I would enjoy having citrus with. Mm. And just resisting the urge to go to the fridge where the cheese is. But che but cheeses are a good thing. Like I can imagine goat cheeses and yeah. things like that going with this really well. Oh, um, I like a big stinky blue cheese. Yeah, there you go. Oh my god, yeah. marron. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah, I, the France, the France thing. Absolutely. I but think you can't fight your genes, you know. No, if it's in no. your bloodstream. Yeah. What? So I am a 100% believer in that. I've talked a lot about like my preference for rainy, cold climates and <laughs> stuff like that, and my love of cheeses. Yeah. Um, What's I, your background? Uh, yeah. So I have uh, a lot of. Well, I've kind of two basic regions. First of all, it's all European. Yeah. Uh, I'm German mostly and Swedish mostly. Those are those are the two like nice. touch points. Oh, white wine heaven. Yeah, yeah. And there's a little bit of bouncing around in the France and like a okay. couple of other small areas, but mostly German and Swedish as the kind of two touch points. And so I, and it's totally true. I love black licorice. I love salty snacks. I love seafood. I love like. Uh, 
freaking bratwurst is my favorite food in oh, the world. Yeah. <laughs> it just walked right, right there. Okay. Out of my way, Lawrence. <laughs> I'm not sure why I'll yeah, Oh, yeah. I'm and right there with you, man. But I've got an English name. You know, Lawrence yeah. is, a, is a very yeah. English name. Hot, and, spicy mustard and some kraut. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, and the cool thing is that I feel like my love of those types of foods... 100% translates to my love of Japanese food, which is really like my mm. desert island food is Japanese food. Like I will eat sushi any day of the week, all day long. Wow. I love teriyaki stuff. I love like rice, all of that. And and a lot of that is not too dissimilar to food that comes from Scandinavia or places like that. Yeah. So you can draw, you're drawing like a, a through line mm. from like say super hot spicy sweet mustard to wasabi. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm hearing. Yeah. You know, yeah. tuna equals bratwurst. Yeah, sort of. A, but it's but it's a different place on, and I can appreciate the like the the finer points about each one of those flavors and what makes them unique. But absolutely, it is in the same like it stimulates my brain in the same way when I eat those two foods. Well, if the pandemic keeps retreating like it seems to be doing, we may be able to do like Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. I miss doing stuff like that. Absolutely, Big I time. would love to do that. Big time. I'm really hoping our beer festivals are are going uh, this year. Yeah. We'll. I haven't really heard or looked, but... Audience friends, uh, we are in the town of Portland, Oregon, and Oregon is, like, globally renowned for the insane, insane plethora of beer making that goes on here. Basically, I think it's not an exaggeration to say we're kind of the the cradle of craft brewing in America, right? I mean, it's where it really took off and, you know, where I think, you know, not being... Exaggerating at all, but I think some of the best microbrews in America still come out of here. Hundred percent. Right? It's it's a real challenge living here, though. I'll tell you, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Don't move here. Yeah, <laughs> please don't do it. Don't please don't. <laughs> Especially if you're from California. Yeah. No, we love. Yeah, you. yeah. <laughs> well, I love California, man. Those yeah. are my people. Uh, all my family's from California. Yeah, my yeah, those are, yeah. those are my people. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel you know great kinship with them. But no, you're right, and I, I don't know if this is absolutely true or not, but I would say per capita we have so many good restaurants. Oh, yeah. I think. It, just, it feels like it. For, we, we used to. I don't know what's left yeah, now. Yeah, it's a little the, different now. You're right. Hopefully the, most of the good ones survive. I yeah. mean, this is tough. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, I still like, you know, really good restaurants. Those are like special occasion things to me. I'm going to the pub, mm. right? It's like I practically... When it's like regular, it's like, boy, we're really veering off of the course here. This is a, this is a future Sunday episode for sure. But I'm at Fire on the Mountain, mm-hmm. right? That's that's my it's got good food. that's my jam. I, I was just telling oh Karen God. today how uh, so the last two nights they can that, brew like a yeah, but the problem is they they're so good that the last two times I've had daddy daughter nights and we've tried to order food from there. Not only does their website not allow you to to order, but I literally the last time I the website wasn't working and I called them. I sat on hold for 12 minutes and yeah. I just decided. Yeah, to I've had something like this. It's, yeah. it's it's random. Yeah. yeah, and it's just on those really busy nights and it just I I don't know if we're always together on like Saturday night or something. But yeah. they get nuked. They, get they, nuked they do. Yeah, they do. It's, it's brutal. And it's because there's no other places. Well, there's no other places in this neighborhood that have wings. Yeah, not like them. Not and like they that. just have that rep. Yeah, it's just like there's nobody else doing anything of their yeah. caliber, right? And they're just freaking nice. You mm-hmm. go in there and they're serving. This is great. You know, they got the same people been working there for like, you know, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's just like they, they treat people well. They make good quality stuff. They're dependable. You know, they 
brew like mad. Mm-hmm. It's great. So, but you know, it, I'm, I'm with you. It's be challenging. I've been getting it all to go during the pandemic. Yeah, no, that's we. I realized the other day that we just need to order ahead of time. Yeah, Instead I just get it to go and then heat up a little bit here at the house because yeah. you know Susan's addicted to the the wings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. <laughs> what's your what's your wing sauce of choice there? Um, I tend to go for the medium spicy. You know. Um, She's really got me turned on the peanut sauce, though. Oh, yeah. Peanut sure. sauce is really That's good. That's a good one, too, yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm not going for the El Jefe. I'm not that, quite no, that bold. Too much, yeah. Not quite that. It's a little too much. It's like I still want to be able to walk. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> they can get spicy. I like the Jamaican jerk one quite a bit. I haven't had that in a long time. I should give that a try. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so craziness. But I think uh, good times. My lineage is different. Um, super Euro. Um, my mom was not American. Uh, my mom was a Brit. Mm. Right? So she met my father when he was a GI. Oh, right? okay. Over and, uh, you know, so. In Great Britain? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I always tell people, if you don't like me, blame Hitler. Because he's, respons- <laughs> he's responsible for them meeting, right? Okay. It's truly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I would not be here if he was like, he was like some dude from, you know, a small town and, you know. So how did they meet? Uh, like the, the cliche dance in a small town in no England, way. right? Yeah, it's like he was a he was GI. He was in the uh, equivalent of like a mash unit, like a medical corps unit, right? Um, you know, bodies, you know, wounded guys coming back from the front lines and stuff, and he'd be like triaging them, getting them hooked up. And mom was like, uh, you know, teenager getting on the bus at like five in the morning to go to the freaking factory and like rivet you know, uh, like B-25 cockpits together. I mean, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, Isn't that I, amazing? I, I felt like she couldn't open a jar responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like, one. No, Mom, you can't open the jar. You're, no, you're going to do it wrong. What are you talking about? <laughs> I built bombers. So. Yeah, she escaped all these beyond my wildest dreams. But, uh, but yeah, they. Uh, so that's their story. Right? Okay. But uh, So a lot of English stuff in my background. Uh, a lot of French. There's a French sea captain back there somewhere. And oh, then yeah. my dad's side of the family was Scots. Okay. So, yeah. you know, a lot of that same, you know. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Unhinged white people. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're, they're, they are hardy people, man. Yeah. <laughs> Folks who like their food and yep. they're recreating their That's job. Right. You know, and, uh, and feel very comfortable we're pretty, in a pretty, you know, pretty interesting mix. So mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. What are you going to do? You can't p- protest what you, you know, no. you think. You got to just accept it. And I've talked to people about how I, I really, like for me, I don't know, all my friends love the type of weather from where their people came from. It's Englishy here. It's, and here it's totally Englishy. I just work Englishy? Well, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like 55 degrees yeah, and raining most right of the time, you know? Lot. It's like, yeah. yeah. So I just, I don't know. I, for whatever reason, that weather does not bother me one day. No, I'm liking it. I'm yeah. totally okay with it. Yeah, yeah, if it's a misty day and it's like going to be no higher than like 40 and it's just kind of like cloudy and there's moss and everything, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with that, like, eight months out of the year. Oh, that smell in the forest when it's yeah. doing that outside, and there's, like, just shit growing out of every single yeah. inch that you can see. Oh, I'm all over it. I love that. The only thing I like more is uh, I've really noticed, uh, it's like a weird recessive gene or something, I don't know what it is, but I've noticed that when I get up to, like, uh, anything above, like, say, 6,000 feet, 
like alpine type it's i'm feeling like there's something waking up like some kind of weird it's like that's my thing really oh yeah every time the last like you know few years whenever i get up into the alps or higher elevations like near mount hood or whatever it may be it's the air something about the air and that it smells different. Invigorates you. Thinner. Well, maybe it's the lack of oxygen making me hallucinate. I mean, that's what happens in me. I start feeling bad. I'm like, let's. Yeah. I'm like, let's go. I'm like, I just want to. Like, where can we build a cabin? Right. Oh, wow. I'm totally digging it up there. It's just maybe you've got some Swiss in here or something. It could be. I don't know, but I, I sure like it. So yeah. it's just like those. You know, it's, it's everything's calling me to like northern France or mm-hmm. northern Italy. Yeah, for some reason I don't know what that's about, but. I intend to find out. Yes. At some point. Yeah, awesome. that's golden golden years voyaging, you know. So it's like if Picard can do voyages when he's an old guy, Absolutely. I can too. Yes, sir. So go on Discovery Quest and see what's out there. Mm-hmm. Let's see what's out there. Well, once again, two guys who didn't really expect that they would, you know, be able to be the unbridled swillers that they are have managed to pretty much get through this entire bottle uh it is amazing how we do it i will say that this wine is the like i'm i think i've decided that i'm just not a chardonnay guy but i do appreciate the complexities that happen in this particular wine like it's I think I would choose this one given the right meal to go with it or something like that. I'm not going to buy it to, like, drink it on a Saturday afternoon right. personally. But, but if you had, like, the right – you're pairing it with a particular meal. Correct. Okay. Yes. Then you're going. Absolutely. Uh, personal preference, uh, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay. I like the Sauvignon Blanc better, yeah. my side. It's a little lighter. It's a little lighter. Okay. Um, this one – and we had the pleasant experience of drinking that outside on a sunny day, which may have okay. tainted a so slight. that may have tainted a little bit. <laughs> I was going to say this about these wines, though, and I don't. Maybe this is my propensity to like translate things to spatial coordinates. I read the Sauvignon Blanc as a as a vertical thing, where it like had striations that you kind of go through that you read from top to bottom. And this feels very flat to me, very mm. like. Across the board, not not flat in a negative way, but in a um, consistency kind consistency of consistency sort okay. of way. Like it doesn't it didn't really change that much over time. You know, the Sauvignon Blanc actually did change. Oh yeah, over a lot. Time. Not as much as the Reds, but yeah. still more than this changed over time. So this is more like your consistent drinker. This is the one. I feel like this is the one that you really want with food. Yeah. Whereas the Sauvignon Blanc would be one that you could drink. You could just hang out on the deck and, and just chill. And yeah. it's like if somebody brought out a plate of oysters, that's a bonus. Yeah. All right. But this one, it really does. It seem wants like it, food it, to go it's, with it's it. crying out for food. Yeah. Right? A cheese and seafood course. Yeah. Something like that. We I'm talking about cheese. Did. We should have had cheese today. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's actually good we didn't probably. We'd be in here another hour. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, that's okay, man. That's good. So now I got to, you know, I do like the peak ahead sometimes in the book um, but uh, so let me try to see if I can sort this out I know we're saving the Chateau Picard for last right no no we are saving the old vine zin for the old vine zin we have decided that that is the Chateau home. Picard is next is next I need to coordinate my you know choice of so the Chateau Picard Bordeaux okay. directly from wow. Bordeaux uh, is is next on the list and it's definitely the one that I'm the most excited about the label the kind of um, the fact that it's shown up on screen many times yeah. recently, in particular, you know, we can talk a little bit about 
probably the first couple episodes of Picard as we drink it. So yeah. I'm excited about that. Wow. And then so the Zin, what's the marketing angle on that? What's the what's the identifier? The identifier the is that that is the bottle that pairs with the Sauvignon Blanc bottle, and the two of them look really nice on a fancy banquet table. And the Sauvignon Blanc was like the Starfleet thing. That was the Starfleet thing. So, so was there a Starfleet the, thing with the Zin? Yes, it's it's the United Federation of Planets uh, Old Vine Zin, and it comes in a bottle that is shaped very much like the Sauvignon Blanc one, but instead of it being circular, it's more of a square okay. bottle. And that one, I think... I personally wanted to save until the end just because that's my grape. That's your jam. That's my grape. Yeah. I love that grape. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. But I'd love a good Bordeaux, too, so it was tough. Yeah. But I think the Bordeaux is next, um, particularly with the fact that we'll be two weeks into Picard. Yeah, by, be steeped into by Picard next week, stuff right. like this. So, it seems well, appropriate. Yeah. That's right. Good choosing, man. Good selecting things. <laughs> it's, it's great. You, you've mapped this whole thing out, you know, commander that you are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But you're a planner, you know, you're an architect, and you plan, you I build, do. You, do. you construct. I try to think ahead. You know, so yeah. that's well done. All I'm able to do is try to, you know, keep up with the appropriate action figures, right? That's uh, Well, <laughs> you, you bring way more to the table than that. I mean, I, I, you have definitely helped me find the language that I can't find sometimes when I want to describe a flavor, which I really appreciate. Because like I said at the beginning of this whole uh, exercise, I can taste the difference. I can smell the difference. I have no idea how to describe the difference. Uh, <laughs> so you've, you've helped me with a few key terms here and there. Uh, so like, five minutes. It's, not, it's enough. It's definitely Okay. Enough. Well, yeah. good. So long as it's helpful and not, yeah, like, confusing. Sure. It's no. like, you know, I try to, you know... Uh, my approach to just about anything is to try to make it as utilitarian and functional as possible. Right? I'm way more form over function. Yeah, or function I, over form. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I said that guy right. Anything yeah. that even walks up to pretentiousness, I don't like. Yeah. I'm like, so if it sounds that way, it's like, that's my apologies. So not my intent. And I want it to be practical terms. Yeah. Right? It's like, you know, something you can use and, and describe and have a better sense of. So... Yeah, I want it to be practical, because right? mm-hmm. that's that's how people want to be able to identify the wine they like, is by what are the characteristics, right? And is it dependably identifiable that way, so, mm-hmm. so that I you know, know what I like, and I can you know find it again. I'm not like, you know, randomly trying to find something forever, so crazy. Yeah, it's amazing with wines, too, how tough it can be, because um, so many people just buy wines based on the label. Yeah. Because yeah, what else are you going to do if you've never tasted it before? You don't really have too much to go on, yeah. unless you have some knowledge. Yeah, or check out some reviews. Yeah. Right. Or ideally, you know, hit up the guy where you buy the wines. Mm. Right. Like if you go to a store or a store. store. Wait, are we? Are, a store. Are we in Alsace Lorraine now? <laughs> if you're going to the store, yeah, you turn left at the uh, sheep stall. Um, no, it's like it's like you know, even like like uh, the grocery store, right? Yeah. Like in Oregon, you can buy uh, wine at the grocery store, right? Not a package store, or a liquor store, but right in the grocery store, next to the bread, right? And there's going to be a guy who runs that department, and he's going to be courted left and right by all these different cats who come in from you know the the wholesalers, right, to try to get him to stock their stuff. As a result, he's tried everything. 
Right, he has. And if he didn't start that job as a wine guy, they usually hire somebody who's like waited tables, who's been at bar forever, some schmuck like me, mm-hmm. right, who's just got that background, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know why. Totally. But, but that's the guy to talk to. If you don't know what you like, sometimes you're unfamiliar and you're looking for somebody to say, here's what's really fun and really good, hit up that guy. Or go to a wine shop, mm-hmm. wine, wine store. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you? Do you go to... Um, uh, Mom and Pop. Oh yeah, sure. They're great. Yeah, they're really little great. wine store in our neighborhood. Uh, you know, super small. Mm-hmm. Caters to the family of mostly. You know, uh, you know they have kids in the same school that most most of you know their customers do. So we sure. know them from the schools and stuff. But yeah. but oh my God, I mean, so nice. It's like I want to picture yeah. like a wine shop in Europe, right? Just very affable. You, you go in there. Yeah. Oh hello, and they recognize you haven't been in a year, right? And they recognize <laughs> you, and they go hello, and like. It's like open something up, and you would love this, and you know, it's yeah. like, it's, a, it, it's not intimidating. I think that's that's I think you know one big takeaway that these guys need to be given massive props, right? At StarTrekWines.com, mm-hmm. I think, and everybody involved with this whole venture is. I think a lot of times folks feel like wine is just super hard, right? They're like, oh, I'm intimidated by it. I don't know anything about it. It seems complicated. Where do I start? I'm afraid I'll look like you know a, a schmuck if I don't know. And so there's the thing that they feel they're just not even. You know, qualified to get into it, right? And they miss out on all that stuff. And I like these folks' approach because they really are trying to make it so that it's welcoming to everyone, right? And if you haven't had a lot of experience, guess what? Here's like a spectrum of different wines. Guaranteed, one of them is going to be right for you. Yeah, right? and the thing is that the quality level is high enough that people, if that's their case, their first experience is going to be an amazing one, no matter where they start. Yeah, and then make a discovery, right? Yeah. They'll be okay. This, you know, maybe you're. It's like this is your first time having whatever a Sauvignon Blanc. Sure. This is your first time having a Zen, right? Yeah. But you're going to have a good, strong sense of what that's like. And if you liked it, guess what? There's thousands of other ones just like that that you can explore as well and mm. get familiar with this. So I think you're doing a really neat service in terms of opening stuff up and and helping people, you know, make discoveries mm-hmm. about these kind of things that they can now share with their families and, and have something different. It's like people who are normally drinking beer or normally drinking whiskey. But here's this whole other thing now that mm-hmm. you can do. And uh, and it fits really well with the, the universe that we all enjoy. So pretty cool mm-hmm. adventure there and, uh, and executed really well. So I think they deserve a huge pat on the back for this whole enterprise. Oh! oh, oh. Sorry. Nicely done. Came out really accidentally. (laughs) My bad, friends. Wow. But uh, but yeah, they did a great thing, and uh, I think they they should you know keep going. I mean, this is you know six wines, you know this whole Armada thing. What else can they do? Let's see what's next. So what they uh, have indicated to us is that what they've tried to do over the last couple of years is they try to release two new wines per year. Okay. And they've done that over the last couple of years, and we, I, I'm trying to remember now if we were, I think we were, I think we know there are two more wines coming out, but I do not remember what they said they were. They may have they would be said that. Different uh, from the ones in the Armada. Different from the ones that are in the Armada. Okay. So there are two more wines coming for sure. Uh, I'm sure that they can help fill us in on what those two varietals might be. But, yeah, I'm, 
I'm excited about that because we haven't really done a pure Sarai yet, so I'm uh, I would love to see that. I'd love to see. I would love to see that. StarTrekWines.com. Please, 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 please. please. <laughs> I'd love to see a Malbec. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you get those those grapes over here to like. Uh, you know, bottle them in Lodi, but... I think you can do anything these days, right? Though you can't necessarily ship to Europe. Do you know what people are doing to support the whole Ukraine thing? It's fascinating, right? I don't know if they can still do it now, because, like, everything's getting shut off, right? But but what people were doing is they were um, booking an Airbnb in Ukraine. Oh, which you obviously won't be able to go stay in. Yeah. But the money goes to the person who's running it, right? And so it's a way to funnel money into the economy there and help people locally. Like, and they were like, people were like, oh, thank you so much. I actually have refugees in my place that I'm holding here. So this is really, really great. But it was like a really proactive, immediate way to get money to people who, you know, were there. But now everyone knows about it, so I'm sure they're shutting everything off. And I was just like, what a great idea, yeah. I keep going back to the Bajorans. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like I, you know, too yeah. much Deep Space Nine, I guess. Yeah. But just, it's just like the, you know, it's like, let's say, for example, bad things do happen, right? And they take over the freaking country, right? It ain't going to go just smoothly. And they're not going to just be like, okay, now we have inchargeable uh, Ukraine and now uh, we can be done. Right. No. No. They will never not be without an insurgency that will be resistant. Be, yeah, yeah. Perpetually. Yeah. That will continue to be using devious cyber techniques and everything they can think of. Like, uh, you know, the, some and, the pro- are, and the problem is that just makes everything more dangerous for everybody. Everybody right? loses, it's like, right? Yeah. It's like one of the things they were doing, they were going around to like and. Uh, and changing all of the highway signs, right? So they pointed in the wrong directions. Like, mm-hmm. so because these guys don't know, they come sure. in there with outdated maps. They're not part of the country, yeah. right? And so they changed all the highway signs to point them in other directions. And then a lot of them were translated. So instead of like the name of the place, it would be like you know, go f yourself, uh, go f yourself Avenue, right? Yeah. And it'd be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, sure. It's like they're just doing so quickly. Yeah. I'm like, wow, this is impressive. It, I've been amazed at how many people have kind of recalled themselves to the country to rally yeah. to fight like they really need to be there I, it's so like as a citizen of the United States it's such a weird thing that I can't really fathom it's all conceptual for me right because we haven't had that situation yeah. where we've been attacked in that way and please don't but like, no please <laughs> don't but no. like it just is it's, it's such a like I just don't get it I can't it's one of those things where I cannot put myself you in have like an abstract shoes. thing right. about right. it right it's totally abstract yeah. and I want I'm the type of person who really wants to understand things on a deep level like I want to go through that pain one time so that I actually know what it feels like and I can really relate to you on yeah. that that one you level. don't though you do not want no, to no but know. not that but not but that's I, that, sorry that's not what I'm saying no. <laughs> But you know what I mean? But you want like, to be able to identify. I want to be able to identify yeah. with them, and I just won't be able to in this case. Yeah. Yeah. All I can do is, like, I, uh, you know, because of my parents, right? So my parents were, like, the age of most people my age's grandparents, mm-hmm. right? Because they had a, a child very late in life. Okay. Right? So they were much, much, much older than most of my peers' parents. Okay. Right? Um for whatever reasons, he said, and, and enigmatically, right? Yeah. But, uh, 
all I know is like from their stories because they met through war, mm-hmm. right? And it's just like my mom, right? Teenage, you know, not much older than Anthony, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like their whole deal was just like, okay, uh, small town in the West Midlands, and when the sun went down, everybody blacked out their windows. Mm-hmm. There was no one like, I don't want to black out my windows because it's against my personal freedom. No, there was none of that nonsense. Yes. Like with, you know, it's like you blacked out your freaking windows because if you didn't, somebody's going to drop a bomb on you and annihilate your entire block. Right. It's like everybody did that, right? Yeah. It was just like, it was, that was the whole thing. And so, like, my mom was super traumatized by that, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, in, like, I remember, like, you know, she would hear a siren go off in the neighborhood. Like an ambulance driving by, and for her that was bad news wow. because it, would, it brought it brought back the area yeah, and sure. stuff like that, and being bombed. Imagine having to go down in the little backyard garden. You know, everybody had that in the garden, in the backyard. You had to go in your you know bomb shelter yeah. with your canned peaches and whatever, and hopefully a bottle of uh, enduring blue wine. Yeah. Uh, to, but you know, that, how awful was that? I can't even imagine. Yeah. yeah, but so uh, I mean, I I get that story, but I didn't live through it. But I, right. I, I that's the thing that we can understand like, it on an intellectual level, but not like viscerally inside ourselves. But dude, right? we're like parents of kids. Can you imagine how awful it would be to have to get your kid through in a situation like that, mm-hmm. where you're like having to, where you're not sure about your child's safety or where their food is coming from, or, or the tremendous dread and uncertainty around that. And nothing worse for a parent than being in that situation. It's just like, ugh. I just, I really, I thought those days were long gone. Yeah. That we wouldn't, but, you know, it doesn't seem as far away as it used to be now. It's it's scary times, so. Well, life is just a big sine wave, man. Like, things just keep happening over and over again, and patterns repeat, and we go conservative, and we go liberal, and the world, like, changes, and it just, like, you look at human history over time, and it just... It's true. It just needs to have a cycle. It's almost like humans have a a genetic need to be in a constant state of change. You know? It's like we can't just settle in. Yeah. We have to, like, keep testing the batteries. (laughs) We do. Does gravity still work? Will I still fall at my desk if I jump out this window? Oh, I guess so, right? And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, there's 7 billion brains on this planet, and they all think a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, But, which I appreciate, right, Idik? Like, I really appreciate... We appreciate your individuality. Absolutely. Diversity. That's great. And and then when too many people do crazy shit, things go weird. Yeah. And a lot of times people don't just accept the thing that they have been told. They They have to feel it and know it and take the bloody nose to accept that it's real. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's just like being told it's, it's too abstract right, kind of a thing. So it's tough. So here's the thing. So I think that inspires me to do this because you never know at any point in time anything that's recorded and that's beamed out into the ether, right? Who's listening to any podcast or any radio transmission or anything, right? It could reach anywhere. Radio signals go out where they're going. Who knows where internet signals end up? Who knows where anything is beamed up? So on the off chance that this is going anywhere, extraterrestrials who might be listening, okay? Benevolent one, please. Not weird locust-like ones. <laughs> Thank you. You can just drive on by. Please. But benevolent ones who like to help uh, struggling civilizations attain the next level. We need your help, okay? This is Earth. We are the third planet from the sun. 
Nice all. Which you is know. our name for it. Yeah. <laughs> 93 million miles away from the sun. It's, it's you know, one little moon, quarter of a million miles away, you know, 250,000 miles, whatever. It's, it's a like, nice you know, It's plan. fine. It's blue. It. A lot of ocean. Yeah. You know, good beachfront property. More coming, from what I understand. Mm. Um, so it's really great. But we could really use some help, okay? We really need, like, a big brother, you know, a benevolent helper to help us kind of overcome our worst instincts to get where you are, right? To sh- you share your wisdom of how you evolved to be in a more benevolent, balanced state. We could benefit from that, and we would be super appreciative. A little resistant at first. You might have to just tell more than ask, but we could really use your help, and this is a great time to come in, especially on kind of weapons-suppressing technology. Um, I think it would be really great. We could really use that. Absolutely. Yeah, so come on down. Um, uh, I cook pretty well. Um, There's always a few bottles of wine. I have an extra bedroom. Yeah, absolutely. I guess the bedroom right now is a little messy, but I can clean up with very little notice. So just uh, come on down. We'd love to host you. And let's see what we can figure out together. So extraterrestrials, welcome. Thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate it. Okay. So now that we got that settled. (laughs) All right. Uh, We have one half inch of Andorian blue Chardonnay left. Nice. Glasses. We've done well. We have done well. Um, I have liked this wine. Um, now that we're at the end, I'm going to confess something. I don't like many Chardonnays. Um, it's just one of those wines that I've just never found an appreciation for. Too buttery, too rich, too... Yeah, the ones, I guess the ones that I like the most are the really buttery ones, but yeah. then those end up being like... Uh, I don't know, having other flavor things that I feel like conflict with that. This one feels well-balanced to me. Yeah. And, and the thing that I like about it is not that it's my absolute favorite wine in the world, but it's very it's been very thirst-quenching in some ways. Yeah. It's not actually quenching my thirst, but it has that kind of lightness to it that um, is refreshing to drink as we go. And it's not, despite the fact that I have read a little bit more earthiness in it later on in the bottle, it's still... Um, has life to it. It hasn't, like, died. You know, it hasn't yeah. fallen flat. Well, I think a really good point that you made, and this is, I think, a, a really great takeaway on this, because I don't think there's anything uh, negative about what you just said at all. Because you mentioned that this is a wine that really seems like it is kind of food-dependent, right? It's like, the, how many different types of bread do you like, right? Like a big sourdough, say, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. But would you be inclined to sit down and eat a loaf of sourdough by itself? Probably not, right? You need some stuff to make a sandwich so that you've got the right components to complement that bread, right? And the sourdough is amazing, but without those things... Without it, it's a bit much, right? And, you know, how much time can you devote to the sourdough loaf by itself, right? You need to get in uh, some nice grilled meat. Some cheese, some sauerkraut. And we make a nice sandwich. You've got those things, and all of a sudden, then that bread has got a purpose, and it's part of this magical combination of ingredients. And I think that's all that we're saying, is this is just a really consistent, uh, satisfying wine, but it is it is kind of food dependent, mm-hmm. which a lot of wines can be. That's not an outlier thing at all. No. It's just kind of, you know, wine is a ritual. Right? Mm-hmm. The meal is a ritual of which wine is a, a really important part, right? So it's just good to, to you know, to, to remember that. But then this one, by itself, it really does need to be part of that whole adventure. It doesn't need to be sitting out there, 
you know, solo. It needs to be brought to the table and be part of a big meal with friends. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, the way I'm going to look at this wine. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for sharing this bottle with me once again. Um, it was delightful. And uh, for sharing, of course, your your Toylandia here with all of the awesomeness. It's a fun environment to hang out in. <laughs> it really is. Right? And it actually works really well for recording, too, to tell you the truth. Good. The yeah. acoustics are okay? Yeah, the acoustics sound good. It, 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 actually, the room adds just a little tiny bit of reverb, which is nice because I don't have to do any post-processing on that to make it sound really cool. It's cool. Just kind of like there's just a little tiny bit of a delay. So. There's a lot of glass in here. There right? is. There's the, a lot of, the, it's all hard surface. Yeah, a lot of so. glass. But it's small enough that like the, the geometry works really well. And you have the comfort of knowing that you're underground. Mm -hmm. Which is... <laughs> it's true. And if I really don't live in my mom's basement. <laughs> Let me make that abundantly clear. No. <laughs> I'm a wonderful spouse and I'm well-adjusted at all. Right. Approaching retirement <laughs> in about 20 years. Oh my gosh! Well, thank you. But so no, this is great. I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. I'm glad I've got the uh, the batting order clear in my head about what next. I absolutely know who our next special plastic mystery guest will be. I so there's no you. doubt in my mind. Awesome. But the last one, the Zing, you you kind of thrown down the gauntlet. You've given me something to because you know, it needs to be big. It does, it and can, and it needs to be uh, maybe perhaps diplomatic or um, it's definitely dress uniform territory I think but we don't and, and I'm not saying that the same folks who have attended previous mm. banquets cannot attend but I feel like we are kicking it up a notch yeah I feel sure. like I don't like to repeat myself yeah so I feel it needs it calls for something different yeah so we'll see you might have to open some of those uh, closed boxes in the back oh, closet here god yeah <laughs> <laughs> Find out what's in those. Yeah, when we shut off the audio, I'm gonna I'm gonna show Eric what he's looking at. He has no idea what the the depth of mental illness that resides in, in his yeah. So, but you know, <laughs> if you're gonna be with friends, you gotta let yourself be yourself. So you cannot be any other way. And bring your whole self to work. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they said bring your whole self to work, and so I did. So I did. Why are they? Calling security. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is great. And uh, friends on the moon of Andor, uh, we wish you well. We're glad you helped uh, bring the Federation into being. Um, please help us bring our Federation into being because we need some help right now. We are at that point where we also uh, need to become part of a larger brotherhood, uh, clearly, mm -hmm. uh, so that we can do the good things that you do. All right. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Excellent. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30. All hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. Let's see what's out there. Engage.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.